0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. As recorded by John Gonzalez. www.johngon.com. Chapter 10 It was on the seventh day of November, the eve of his own thirty-second birthday, as he often remembered afterwards. He was walking home about eleven o'clock from Lord Henry's, where he had been dining, and was wrapped in heavy furs as the night was cold and foggy. At the corner of Grosvenor Square and South Audley Street a man passed him in the midst, walking very fast, and with the collar of his grey ulster turned up. He had a bag in his hand. He recognized him. It was Basil Hallward. A strange sense of fear, for which he could not account, came over him. He made no sign of recognition and went on slowly in the direction of his own house. But Hallward had seen him. Dorian had heard him first stopping and then hurrying after him. In a few moments his hand was on his arm. "'Dorian!' "'What an extraordinary piece of luck! "'I have been waiting for you ever since nine o'clock in your library. "'Finally I took pity on your tired servant "'and told him to go to bed as he let me out. "'I am off to Paris by midnight train, "'and I wanted particularly to see you before I left. "'I thought it was you, or rather your fur coat, as you passed me, "'but I wasn't quite sure. Didn't you recognize me?' "'In this fog, my dear Basil? "'Why, I can't even recognize Grosvenor Square.' I believe my house is somewhere about here, but I don't feel at all certain about it. I am sorry you are going away, as I have not seen you for ages, but I suppose you will be back soon? No, I am going to be out of England for six months. I intend to take a studio in Paris and shut myself up till I have finished a great picture I have in my head. However, it wasn't about myself I wanted to talk. Here we are at your door. Let me come in for a moment. I have something to say to you. I shall be charmed. But won't you miss your train, said Dorian Gray languidly, as he passed up the steps and opened the door with his latch-key. The lamplight struggled out through the fog, and Hallward looked at his watch. I have heaps of time, he answered. The train doesn't go till twelve-fifteen, and it is only just eleven. In fact, I was on my way to the club to look for you when I met you. You see, I shan't have any delay about luggage, as I have sent on my heavy things. All I have with me is in this bag, and I can easily get to Victoria in twenty minutes. Dorian looked at him and smiled. What a way for a fashionable painter to travel! A Gladstone bag and an Ulster? Come in, or the fog will get into the house. And mind you don't talk about anything serious. Nothing is serious nowadays. At least nothing should be. Hallward shook his head as he entered and followed Dorian to the library. There was a bright wood fire blazing in the large open hearth. The lamps were lit, and an open Dutch silver spirit-case stood, with some siphons of soda-water and large cut-glass tumblers on a little table. "'You see, your servant made me quite at home, Dorian. He gave me everything I wanted, including your best cigarettes.' He is a most hospitable creature. I like him better than the Frenchman you used to have. What has become of the Frenchman, by the by?' Dorian shrugged his shoulders. "'I believe he married Lady Ashton's maid, and has established her in Paris as an English dressmaker. Anglomanie is very fashionable over there now, I hear.' Seems silly of the French, doesn't it? But do you know, he was not at all a bad servant. I never liked him, but I had nothing to complain about. One often imagines things that are quite absurd. He was really very devoted to me, and seemed quite sorry when he went away. Have another brandy and soda? Or would you like a hock and seltzer? I always take hock and seltzer myself. There is sure to be some in the next room. Thanks. I won't have anything more.' said Hallward, taking his cap and coat off and throwing them on the bag that he had placed in the corner. "'And now, my dear fellow, I want to speak to you seriously. Don't frown like that. You make it so much more difficult for me.' "'What is it all about?' cried Dorian, in his petulant way, flinging himself down on the sofa. "'I hope it is not about myself. I am tired of myself tonight. I should like to be somebody else.' It is about yourself, answered Hallward in his grave, deep voice, and I must say it to you. I shall only keep you half an hour. Dorian sighed and lit a cigarette. Half an hour, he murmured. It is not much to ask of you, Dorian, and it is entirely for your own sake that I am speaking. I think it right that you should know that the most dreadful things are being said about you in London, things... "'that I could hardly repeat to you. "'I don't wish to know anything about them. "'I love scandals about other people, "'but scandals about myself don't interest me. "'They have not got the charm of novelty. "'They must interest you, Dorian. "'Every gentleman is interested in his good name. "'You don't want people to talk of you "'as something vile and degraded. "'Of course you have your position and your wealth "'and all that kind of thing, "'but position and wealth are not everything.' Mind you, I don't believe these rumours at all. At least I can't believe them when I see you. Sin is a thing that writes itself across a man's face. It cannot be concealed. People talk of secret vices. There are no such things as secret vices. If a wretched man has a vice, it shows itself in the lines of his mouth, the droop of his eyelids, the moulding of his hands even. Somebody... I won't mention his name, but you know him, came to me last year to have his portrait done. I had never seen him before, and had never heard anything about him at the time, though I had heard a good deal since. He offered an extravagant price. I refused him. There was something in the shape of his fingers that I hated. I now know that I was quite right in what I fancied about him. His life is dreadful. But you, Dorian, with your pure, bright, innocent face, and your marvellous, untroubled youth, I can't believe anything against you. And yet I see you very seldom, and you never come down to the studio now, and when I am away from you, and I hear all these hideous things that people are whispering about you, I don't know what to say. Why is it, Dorian, that a man like the Duke of Berwick leaves the room of a club when you enter it? "'Why is it that so many gentlemen in London "'will neither go to your house nor invite you to theirs? "'You used to be a friend of Lord Cardor. "'I met him at dinner last week. "'Your name happened to come up in conversation "'in connection with the miniatures "'you have lent to the exhibition at the Dudley. "'Cardor curled his lip "'and said that you might have the most artistic tastes, "'but that you were a man whom no pure-minded girl "'should be allowed to know.' "'and whom no chaste woman would sit in the same room with. "'I reminded him that I was a friend of yours, "'and asked him what he meant. He told me. "'He told me right out before everybody. It was horrible. "'Why is your friendship so fateful to young men?' "'There was that wretched boy in the guards who committed suicide. "'You were his great friend. "'There was Sir Henry Ashton, "'who had to leave England with a tarnished name. "'You and he were inseparable.' "'What about Adrian Singleton and his dreadful end? "'What about Lord Kent's only son and his career? "'I met his father yesterday in St. James Street. "'He seemed broken with shame and sorrow. "'What about the young Duke of Perth? "'What sort of life has he got now? "'What gentleman would associate with him, Dorian? "'Dorian, your reputation is infamous. "'I know you and Harry are great friends. "'I say nothing about that now, but surely—' You need not have made his sister's name a byword. When you met Lady Gwendolyn not a breath of scandal had ever touched her. Is there a single decent woman in London now who would drive with her in the park, why even her children are not allowed to live with her? Then there are other stories, stories that you have been seen creeping at dawn out of dreadful houses and slinking in disguise into the foulest dens in London. Are they true? can they be true? When I first heard them I laughed. I hear them now, and they make me shudder. What about your country house, and the life that is led there? Dorian, you don't know what is said about you. I won't tell you that I don't want to preach to you. I remember Harry saying once that every man who turned himself into an amateur curate for the moment always said that, and then broke his word. I do want to preach to you. I want you to lead such a life as will make the world respect you. I want you to have a clean name and a fair record. I want you to get rid of the dreadful people you associate with. Don't shrug your shoulders like that. Don't be so indifferent. You have a wonderful influence. Let it be for good, not for evil. They say that you corrupt every one whom you become intimate with. "'and that it is quite sufficient for you to enter a house "'for shame of some kind to follow after you. "'Oh, I don't know whether it is so or not. "'How should I know? "'But it is said of you. "'I am told things that it seems impossible to doubt. "'Lord Gloucester was one of my greatest friends at Oxford. "'He showed me a letter that his wife had written to him "'when she was dying alone in her villa at Menton.' "'Your name was implicated in the most terrible confession I ever read. "'I told him that it was absurd that I knew you thoroughly "'and that you were incapable of anything of the kind.' "'Know you?' (laughs) "'I wondered, do I know you? "'Before I could answer that, I should have to see your soul.' "'To see my soul?' muttered Dorian Gray, "'starting up from the sofa and turning almost white from fear.' Yes, answered Hallward gravely, and with infinite sorrow in his voice, to see your soul. But only God can do that. A bitter laugh of mockery broke from the lips of the younger man. You shall see it yourself to-night, he cried, seizing a lamp from the table. Come, it is your own handiwork. Why shouldn't you look at it? You can tell the world all about it afterwards if you choose. Nobody would believe you. If they did believe you, they'd like me all the better for it. I know the age better than you do, though you will prate about it so tediously. Come, I tell you. You've chatted enough about corruption. Now you shall look at it face to face. There was the madness of pride in every word he uttered. He stamped his foot upon the ground in his boyish, insolent manner. He felt a terrible joy the thought that someone else was to share his secret, and that the man who had painted the portrait that was the origin of all his shame was to be burdened for the rest of his life with the hideous memory of what he had done. Yes, he continued, coming closer to him and looking steadfastly into his stern eyes, I will show you my soul. You shall see the thing that you fancy only God can see. Hallward started back. "'That is blasphemy, Dorian,' he cried. "'You must not say things like that. "'They are horrible, and they don't mean anything.' "'You don't think so?' he laughed again. "'I know so. "'As for what I have said to you tonight, "'I said it for your own good. "'You know I have been always devoted to you. "'Don't touch me. "'Finish what you have to say.' "'A twisted flash of pain shot across Hallward's face. "'He paused for a moment.' and a wild feeling of pity came over him. After all, what right had he to pry into the life of Dorian Gray? If he had done a tithe of what was rumoured about him, how much he must have suffered. Then he straightened himself up and walked over to the fireplace and stood there, looking at the burning logs with their frost-like ashes and their throbbing cores of flame. "'I am waiting, Basil,' said the young man in a hard, clear voice. He turned round. "'What I have to say is this,' he cried. "'You must give me some answer to these horrible charges that are made against you. "'If you tell me that they are absolutely untrue from beginning to end, I will believe you. "'Deny them! Dorian, deny them! "'Can't you see what I am going through? My God, don't tell me that you are infamous!' "'Dorian Gray smiled. There was a curl of contempt in his lips. "'Come upstairs, Basil,' he said quietly. I keep a diary of my life from day to day, and it never leaves the room in which it is written. I will show it to you, if you come with me. I will come with you, Dorian, if you wish it. I see I have missed my train, that makes no matter, I can go tomorrow. But don't ask me to read anything tonight. All I want is a plain answer to my question. That will be given to you upstairs. I could not give it here. You won't have to read long. Don't keep me waiting. End of chapter 10 of The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde